Welcome back to the 3rd and 15 Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Timmerman. Hope everybody's had a good week. Uh, another solid week of college football. You know, that's what I love about college football, and, and this becomes a subtopic every week. What I love about college football is that it seems like there's never a dud. Even weekends that, and I, th- I thought this weekend will be a good one. You know, we said last week this was a good weekend. But even weeks where I'm like, well, eh, schedule this week is kind of weak, and, and the one coming up is is not spectacular. It just seems like something happens. Some you know things you don't expect, things you do expect pan out. Um, things you don't expect, they're just every week. There's something worth watching on college football, and there's just no other sport that's like that. There's no other sport that every week of the regular season is special, the way college football is. Um, this past weekend was no different. And what was fun, uh, we had BYU beating Ohio, or, you know, Ohio State. That'd be a heck of a game, wouldn't it? We had BYU beating Utah State, 38-26, to to kind of maintain a little momentum. Um, they lost to Oregon a couple weeks ago, but they've bounced back with consecutive wins. They got a big night from um, Jaron Hall. He went 17-27 for 274 yards and three touchdowns. But Friday night, you know, UCLA have been laying in the weeds. They're undefeated. They were a big topic of discussion on this podcast in particular last year. They're 5-0. and We talked about how they really hadn't played anybody. And and they're all the way up number 18 because they knocked off Washington last Friday night. Some guys that I just forgot were still in college football. I don't know how I assumed that they were gone, but I did. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, big old night for the Bruins. He went... Uh, 24 of 33 for 315 yards and three passing touchdowns. Also ran 10 times for 53 yards and a touchdown. Um, We're going to talk about uh, Heisman hopefuls a little bit later on. I don't know that he's there yet, but uh, on the year, he's got He's completed 104 passes for 140 yards, got 1,200 or 1,211 yards, passing 11 touchdowns, one interceptions. That, to me, has been a huge theme of the year. It seems like a lot of the quarterbacks that are having the best seasons are just not turning the ball over. It seems like some years you have a guy, Deshaun Watson was a little bit like this a couple of times at Clemson, where he, you'd watch some of his games and you'd think, this guy is a Heisman hopeful, but he's just got one too many turnovers. And it seems like every quarterback that I look at this year that's having a big year is taking care of the ball. Um, so again, completing almost 75% of his passes, which is well above his career numbers. Uh, before this season, his best completions percentage, this is his fifth year at UCLA, uh, it was 2020 when he completed 65% of his passes. Well over that. Um, career high in, in average yards per attempt at 8.6 or yards per completion. Uh, 11 touchdowns, one interception, just a really special year passing. Running the ball, he's carried it 31 times for 223 yards and three scores. So really developing as a passer. So again, right now I don't think he's a Heisman front runner, but UCLA has uh, Utah this week, Oregon next week. The later they play, USC, of course. So the games are there. But he's not the only one. Zach Charbonnet, 22 carries, 124 yards, and a touchdown in the 40-32 win over Washington. He's having a nice year. Uh, 65 attempts, 417 yards, five touchdowns. Um, 
And they also got a big game. This was fun. I saw Jake Bobo, and I was like, well, that's got to be related to Mike Bobo, right? Uh, he had a big night for the for the Bruins. Caught six passes for 142 yards, two touchdowns. He is related to Mike Bobo. He is Mike Bobo's son, not the Mike Bobo that played at Georgia. The Mike Bobo that played at Dartmouth. So that's fun. Who would have thought there's two Mike Bobos playing college football in the last, you know, 40 years or so. Um, so that's fun. But So Jake Bobo at UCLA is, is related to the Mike Bobo of Dartmouth fame, if you're a Dartmouth fan. So that was Friday night. UCLA knocks off Washington 40-32. to I feel like results like that, if UCLA can continue to be a force, are a good thing for the Pac-12. Obviously, the Pac-12 is stinging because that's Washington's first loss. They were hoping, you know, Washington could be a team that could make them relevant. But what we've seen from the ACC, for instance, is that uh, Clemson got good and everybody else got bad for the most part. Um, every once in a while a team would, would spring up, but they, they really didn't have any complementary pieces. And so uh, you have a year like last year where once Clemson lost their second game, the ACC was pretty much out of the picture, no matter who else did what. Um, so I think it's good for the Pac-12 if, if they've got some teams that are kind of kind of eating each other as long as somebody comes out in the end with one, with undefeated or with one loss, I think it's good for the Pac-12. As long as their good teams are losing to each other, you know, if if Washington loses to UCLA and UCLA finishes ten and two, and Washington finishes eleven and one or ten and two, and UCLA finishes twelve and zero or eleven and one, you get my drip, you get my picture. Suddenly, you start to build a kind of a stronger conference. So I, I like results like that, and especially since UCLA didn't come out there and beat their doors off it was you know 40 to 32 at UCLA that's a that's a good win that's a that's a fun game Michigan gets the win 27 to 14 um over Iowa I told you Iowa's offense was was nothing special um and and they're not (laughs) they got 281 total yards and honestly that's more than I would have expected uh 35 yards on the ground against Michigan Michigan I'm going to touch a little bit on, on Blake Corum here in a little bit, but he had 29 carries for 133 yards and a touchdown. The J.J. McCarthy completes 18 of 24 passes for 155 yards and a touchdown. Um, and just kind of spread the ball around. Spread around the love. Um, they also got a touchdown from Ronnie Bell. And, yeah, so three touchdowns. They won 27-14, to 14, couple field goals. They get out of there. Michigan's a tough team. Ole Miss holds off Kentucky 22-19 on a strip sack late in that game. The Ole Miss running game, you know, give Lane Kiffin a lot of credit. That's a team that we've known them for a high-flying passing attack. This year, that's not that way. The Jackson Dart was 15-29 for 213 yards. He did throw a pick, but they also, they're running the ball. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins, 15 carries, 106 yards, and a touchdown. And Saturday was about defense. When do we think we would say that, that Ole Miss is 5-0 and because of defense? But here we are. That's who they are. Uh, Zach Evans didn't even have a big game. Nine t- touches for 24 yards and a touchdown. Um, also caught a pass for three yards. So Ole Miss get it done with running the ball in defense. I didn't think we'd ever say that in the Lane Kiffin era, but, but here we are, and, and that's what's happening. Uh, TCU beats the absolute tar out of Oklahoma. Oklahoma is in trouble. It's back-to-back weeks. This time, it's TCU just destroying that Oklahoma defense. Um, Quarterback Max Duggan for TCU, he goes 23 of 33 for 302 yards and three scores. Um, Also had a big day from... 
Kendra Miller, the running back, he carries 13 times for 136 yards and two scores. Max Duggan also adds five carries for 116 yards and two scores, uh, just breaking off big play after big play from those two. So combine that, Max Duggan goes he uh, 418 total yards and five scores. What a day against Oklahoma. That Oklahoma defense is in trouble. Uh, Duggan, 70 of 94 this year for 997 yards and 11 touchdowns. The volume of yards isn't there, but he's got no interceptions. He has also run the ball 23 times for 149 yards and two scores. Good year so far for Max Duggan. He's going to look to build on that, but they beat Oklahoma 55 to 24. Oklahoma, again, in trouble, folks. Purdue knocks off Minnesota 20 to 10. Uh, so Minnesota's a little time to shine. They're out of the picture. Kansas State with the big win to follow up the Oklahoma win. They beat Texas Tech 37-28. I think Adrian Martinez had another big day uh, on the ground. He did 12 carries, 171 yards, three touchdowns. Also efficient through the air. 12 of 19, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Getting the job done on the ground. Adrian Martinez, fun story. We talked a lot about him last week. Utah, big win, 42-16 over Oregon State. Um, Caleb Rising, 19 of 25 for 199 yards and three touchdowns. Seven carries, 73 yards, and another touchdown. Big day for Utah. Um, Alabama, 49 to 26 over Arkansas. Tough injury to Bryce Young. Bryce Young comes out. Things got a little spooky for a little bit for them. Uh, they were up actually 28 to nothing in the second quarter, and uh, Arkansas went for 23 unanswered points, cut it to 30 or 28 to 23 before the Alabama offense got going with two huge runs from Jameer Gibbs. Uh, Jameer Gibbs had 18 carries for 206 yards and two touchdowns, but uh, 148 yards of that was on two carries. Two big, long touchdowns in the fourth quarter to put that baby to bed. Uh, K.J. Jefferson, friend of the show. Not really, he doesn't even know me, but I call him a friend of the show because I like him a lot. He was 13 to 24 for 155 yards and a touchdown. Bryce Young gets hurt. Uh, last I heard, it was an AC joint issue. Um, I would expect that keeps him out this week. Um, he's day to day, according to your friend and mine, Nick Saban. Um, I don't know. They do host Texas A&M on Saturday. Texas A&M offense has not been good. I would be tempted if I was Alabama, try to go without him. Try to see if you can win without him because you don't need him this week uh, necessarily to beat Texas A&M. It's a night game, but Texas A&M is not good. They're just coming off a huge loss to Mississippi State. They lost to App State earlier in the season. If you can get by, I, I would love to get – if I'm Alabama, I would love to get Bryce Young a week off because they've got Texas A&M this week. I think that's a winnable game without him. They're favored by 24 especially if he's able to play but just doesn't because you got Tennessee next week and I feel like that Tennessee offense is going to require their full attention on offense and if that's the case you, you got to make sure Bryce Young's healthy you you I would hate to see him aggravate that injury in a game that they're going to win by two scores anyway and then cost them against Tennessee if I'm Alabama but they don't generally ask me uh, Ohio State gets the big win over Rutgers, 49-10. Um, Mayan Williams was the big story in this one. He goes for 21 carries, 189 yards, and five touchdowns. C.J. Stroud, 13-22, 154 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Um, so there's that. 
Oklahoma State, big win over Baylor, 36-25. to uh, Wake Forest, big win over Florida State. Huge bounce back win. This is big for the ACC. You want Florida State to be back if you're ACC, but it's big to see Wake Forest take that tough loss to Clemson and then bounce back and stay relevant. Uh, they were number 22 last week. They have bounced up to number 15. So the ACC now has three teams in the top 15, Clemson at 5, uh, NC State at 14, Wake Forest at 15. I would probably flip those two, but it's not an individual ranking. It's a conglomerate, and that's what the conglomerate came up with. Uh, Georgia Tech knocking off Pitt a week after they fire uh, Jeff Collins. Georgia Tech 26-21 to over Pitt. Uh, great video of Brent Key. Um, he's a Georgia Tech guy. Leads the interim head coach. Leads him to the win. Very emotional after the game. Uh, Jeff Sims, 11-26 for 102 yards. 102 yards is a touchdown for the winning quarterback. Who? How did they win this ball game? Um, 19 of 81. He ran the ball a lot. Another touchdown. Big day. 20 of 120 carries for 157 yards for Hassan Hall. Um, but yeah, I don't know where all these points came from. I don't know how they did that, but they did it, and they beat Pitt. Knocked Pitt out of the top 25. Just a lot of field goals, looks like. Four field goals. That a boy, Gavin Stewart. Way to get the win for the for the Jackets. Georgia struggles with Missouri. I didn't watch this game because of the one I'm about to discuss, Clemson uh, knocking off NC State in a big top 10 matchup, big game day matchup. Uh, your boys at Missouri were up 13 to nothing. They were 16 to 6 at the half. And Georgia offense just found a way to win late. Um with 14 unanswered points in the fourth, because it was 22 to 12 early in the fourth. I mean, it really felt like Georgia just wasn't going to have it. They they had not scored a touchdown, just four cu- uh, field goals for Jack Podlesny. Um, kind of a field goal competition for a long time. How many field goals were there in this game? My goodness, what a day for the kickers! If you're a fan of kickers, you'd love that game. Uh, yeah, Jack Podlesny with four for four. And the Missouri kicker, Mr. Mevis, I can't remember his first name. We'll get that in a second. Um, Harrison Mevis. I saw H and just assumed that's what it was. Five for five. So nine field goals in that ball game. If you're a fan of place kicking, the Georgia-Missouri game was for you. Georgia uh, holds on for a 26-22 win on the road. That wasn't good enough for them to hold their number one spot. So they lost it to Alabama. No one here is surprised. USC with another win, uh, 42-25 over Arizona State. Um, Caleb Williams, 27-37, 348 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Travis Dye, 13 carries, 62 yards, two touchdowns. Jordan Addison did not find the end zone. Fire that man. He, he had eight catches for 105 yards, though. USC continues to roll in. Oregon picks up the 45-27 win over Stanford. Uh, Bo Nix was good Bo Nix. He had 16-29 for 161 yards and two touchdowns. He also ran the ball six times for 141 yards and two more touchdowns. Uh, one of those is an 80-yard run. So, big day for Bocephus Knicks. I don't know if that's his full first name. That's what we're going to say it is. And the Oregon Ducks as they knock off Stanford 45-27. But Clemson-NC State was the game I was obviously paying attention to. Clemson wins 30-20. It was really 30-13 to uh, with 53 seconds left. Devin Leary scores on a four-yard run. Um... Just kind of a, a junk time drive. Clemson scored with 3:04 left to make it 30 to 13. The ball game was very much over at that point, and um, 
NC State just had a good, nice little bounce back drive, just kind of get get that bad taste out of their mouth, scored a touchdown. DJ Wongalale went 21 of 30 for 209 yards and a touchdown. He also led the Tiger offense in rushing. 14 catch or carries, 73 yards, and two touchdowns. Jake Brenning stool, the leading receiver. He's a tight end. He's a lot of fun to watch. Four catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown. Um, Antonio Williams actually led the team in receptions with five for 45 yards. Uh, also a big kicking day for the Tigers as BT Potter made three of four field goals. Uh, I don't even remember the miss, but he did miss it, apparently. I don't, I don't recall that. I blocked it out of my mind because BT Potter don't miss. So I refuse to refuse to acknowledge that miss. Um, it, it happened at some point, though. I, I'm sure it did. Uh, so that's that's an. Uh, a, I feel like that's two. That's back-to-back games that were good for the ACC. Um, I think it would actually, honestly, you know, being unbiased, it would have been better for the ACC if uh, NC State had had beaten Clemson. But it's not bad for the ACC that for most of that game. NC State hung tough. Like, Wake Forest acquitted themselves two weeks ago. They took Clemson to double overtime. If Clemson's the top five team, and it looks like they are, and Wake Forest is, you know, six points worse than them and only after double overtime, that's that's a good sign for Wake Forest. Um, and they made that stand up by beating a good Wake, our Florida State team the very next week. And NC State, I mean, it was 20-13 to 13 Clemson at the end of the third quarter. Uh, it was 10-6 to 6 NC State late in the second quarter after a, a said Sebro uh, pass from Devin Leary. And then Clemson had the answer right behind them on a couple of really big plays. So, uh, and Cle- Clemson's dealing with, with a couple of things. They've got some injuries, and then Brian Brzee on Saturday, they found out that he's got some sort of kidney ailment that had him in and out of the hospital a little bit last week. He was on the sidelines but not playing. We'll see when he gets back. So Clemson's dealing with some injuries, but the defense on Saturday against NC State finally looked legitimate. They finally looked like the the vaunted defense we heard about coming into this year. Um, so that's that's Saturday. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk a little bit about this next week games. But then let's talk about some Heisman candidates because I think it's a good time to do that. We are back. Uh, I said we would spin it forward, and will. This is one of those weeks that's just not that great of a week. Um. There's not a lot of great games. Tennessee is playing LSU. Somehow LSU is ranked. They, they do have that loss to um, Florida State on their resume. Since then, they beat Southern. Not Georgia Southern, just regular Southern. They beat Mississippi State, which turns out to be a pretty good win because Mississippi State beat uh, Texas A&M on Saturday. Uh, LSU then beat New Mexico, and then they beat Auburn by four points on this past Saturday. And that was enough to rank them 25th. I think Tennessee is going to take care of that for us on Saturday, though. Tennessee is having a great year. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Heisman candidates here in a bit, and Hendon Hooker, I think, is somebody who, who we've got to keep in mind. Um, <clears throat> uh, the, the Virginia Tech transfer, he started out at, he came to Tennessee last year. He's 81-13 on the year for 1,193 yards, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. Again, that theme, no interceptions. 35 rushes for 175 yards and three touchdowns. Um, he did have a couple of catches at, at uh, Virginia Tech on some special stuff. and They had a couple of instances where they were mixing and matching on quarterbacks too, so I imagine that's how he got in the receiving game. But he has not done that at Tennessee. 
Uh, Tennessee's number eight. LSU's number twenty-five. That's a noon game on ESPN. So that's that's your that's your noon time slot. If you don't want to watch that, you can watch TCU and newly ranked Kansas. Uh, Kansas coming off another big win. They are undefeated for the first time in you know years. I don't two thousand nine probably. Around that time is when they had that that good little rivalry when Aqib Talib was there, and uh, them in Missouri were actually really good when Missouri was still in the. Uh, Big 12 and and those two teams were kind of fighting to look like one of them might be able to get into the national championship game maybe. This was pre-playoffs of course. They, they beat Iowa State 14-11 to in a game that I'm sure was thrilling. But TCU-Kansas on Saturday uh, that is one. Kansas is a, or TCU is a 7 point favorite at Kansas. I feel like TCU covers that one. I feel like this is the, this is the week where uh, the bloom falls off the rose for Kansas. Uh, Tennessee was a three-point favorite over Tennessee. I'd take over LSU. I'd take that all day. Uh, Tennessee, I think, wins big over LSU. Arkansas, Mississippi State is also at noon. Um, Georgia Auburn is a big rivalry game. That's the three thirty CBS game. Georgia is a thirty-point favorite over Auburn. After watching what Georgia did offensively last week against Missouri, they are a thirty-point favorite against Auburn, and I don't know that that's incorrect. Um, because I think anything less than that, and you just take Georgia. I mean, that's, you know, I, I'm not betting on college football, but it the, the line has to be that big. Um, sneaky good game, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, 330 on FS1. Big game at 330, though, to me, is number 11 Utah against number 18 UCLA. They are in, are they in the same division of the Pac-12? I think they are. Let's take a peek at that real quick. That's a big Pac-12 game, and that is a sorting game if you've ever seen it. Um, why is this listed? Are they not in divisions anymore? Did I just miss that altogether? Maybe they're not. Anyway, um, those are both undefeated teams. UCLA at five and zero. Utah four one because they had that loss to Florida. Is Pac twelve not in divisions anymore? Did I? How did I miss that? I knew that that was something that was coming up. Um, but I thought that was not until another year or two no that, that that is this year they have scrapped their divisions who knew probably you did you're sitting there thinking jeremy you're an idiot so yeah big wide open um conference this year for the pac-12 and those two teams are a big part of that utah and ucla uh, 3.30 on Fox. Um, Ohio State, Michigan State has no business to be close. That's at 4 o'clock on, on ABC. Ohio State ought to win that one big. They are 27-point favorites. Uh, let's keep on scrolling, see if there's anything else we like. Kentucky ought to beat South Carolina. That is 7.30 on the SEC Network. BYU-Notre Dame. Big win, big game for both programs. That's at 7.30 on, of course, NBC. The nightcap, the 8 p.m. game on CBS. One of our year, one of our couple of weeks a year, we get double games on CBS. Texas A&M and Alabama, we already talked about that. 8 o'clock on the ACC Network. Now unranked Florida State, number 14 NC State. Two hungry teams coming off losses. NC State's a three-point favorite, and I feel like that's about right. Um, I feel like that's, yeah, that's, that's a tough game to read. Uh, NC State has a really good defense. Uh, Clemson... You know, they gave up 30 to Clemson. But remember, that's a Clemson team that scored 51 or 52, whatever it was, on Wake Forest the week before. And the offense looked that good again as far as uh, execution, as far as game plan, as far as uh, just the way the plays were, were going. Clemson looked as sharp as they did against Wake Forest. It just wasn't working as well as it did against Wake Forest because NC State's really good on defense. So that should be a really good game at 8 o'clock. If you're not interested or if – 
Alabama, Texas A&M goes the way it looks like it's gonna, and Alabama runs away with it a little bit. If you're not interested in Kansas State, Iowa State, or BYU, Notre Dame, I'd jump on with with both feet on that ACC network game between Florida State and NC State. So that's the rundown. Not a huge week, but I'm sure one of those games is gonna impress us. Somebody's gonna lose that shouldn't, or come close to losing, or there's going to be something this Saturday that draws our attention, even on a week where it looks like nothing major's going on. I just hope that that's not uh, Clemson at, at Boston College. I hope that game is a blowout, and I, th- I think it should be. So now let's talk a little bit about Heisman. Um, this is a weird year because so far you're talking about Bryce Young and the, the, the names you would think about as far as Heisman favorites. You're talking about Bryce Young. You're talking about uh, C.J. Stroud, and neither one of them are near the top in anything passing-wise. Um they're just not. Uh, CJ's having a good year, 1,300 yards, 18 touchdowns, two interceptions. That 18 touchdowns is a, is that right? That's a big number. Yeah, 18 passing touchdowns, uh, third in the country behind Will Rogers of Mississippi State and Drake May at UNC. Neither of those guys really have the schedule to, uh, I guess, get any attention for that. Um that's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. Um, the other one that I was thinking about, Bryce Young, 14 touchdowns, three interceptions. He's got 1,200 yards. Uh, a guy that I think we got to look at is Michael Penix Jr., especially if Washington can can be a force in the Pac-12, if they can get that big showdown with uh, USC down the road. I think that's what they you, you would be looking for, if they could match up in the Pac-12 title game. Because um, he's having a big year. Uh, and he's a name that people recognize. He's a story. So when they, if they play in big games, that's going to be something that um, catches people's eyes. And he's leading the country in passing yards with 1,733, 16 touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, so he's having a great year. But then those other guys, are, those names are there. Uh, Caleb Williams, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, the reigning Heisman winner. His, his name's obviously going to stay in in the picture. Um, CJ or Caleb Williams not having a bad year though. 107 for 107 or 159, 1400 yards, 12 touchdowns, one interception. He's run the ball 40, 44 times for 144 yards, three touchdowns. His name's obviously going to be in the mix. He's in that brand. Um, and when they start playing bigger games here, you're going to start. Um, He's going to start getting more attention, and he's going to start having those nights where uh, all eyes are on him, and he, and, he, and he answers the bell. But let me tell you, this is not a Heisman candidate at all, but Kyle Van Treese, the Georgia Southern quarterback, is seventh in the country with over 1,500 yards, 10 touchdowns. He does have seven interceptions, but did you ever think you'd see a day where Georgia Southern would have a top 10 quarterback in terms of passing yards? If you say you did, you're lying. So that's kind of some of the names other than him, uh, some of the names at the quarterback position that I think have a chance. Michael Penix Jr., leading the country in passing yards. He's got the name recognition. He's going to have some big games. Um, I think you obviously have to look at Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Uh, You have to look at um, Caleb Williams. But, again, a name that you have to look at, Drake May. He's got, for North Carolina, he's got – Almost 1,600 passing yards, 19 touchdowns, one interception. Especially if North Carolina can make that one loss so far that they've got, if they can make that stand up, 
if Notre Dame is their only loss, uh, they've got some games. They've got Wake Forest and NC State in November. Those are two teams that hopefully for North Carolina can stay relevant. And then if they can keep winning, they can face Clemson in the ACC championship game, and that can be a time when Drake May can maybe put his name on the ballot. Can he win? I don't know. Uh, can a, can a one-loss North Carolina team warrant him that kind of attention? I don't know. That's, that's kind of the passing yardage leaders that I think have a chance. Um, the big name in the running backs that stands out to me is Blake Corum at Michigan. He's the real deal. He's running the ball 93 times for 611 yards. He's got a really good average, 6.6 yards per carry. Among the top running backs, he's got the best average yard per carry. So he's not a guy that's like getting the ball 40 times a game, and, and that's how he's racking up yards. We've had some of those, particularly at Wisconsin, a couple of those other uh, Big Ten schools where you've got a running back that gets really big yards, but he ends up not getting the Heisman attention he should because it's four yards and a cloud of dust type production. He's averaging 6.6 yards a carry. He's got 10 touchdowns. More importantly, Michigan has big games down the road. They've got Indiana this Saturday, so that's not an enormous game, obviously. Indiana's 3-2. and two. They're not having a terrible season, but it's not a big game. Penn State on the 15th, then Michigan State, then close out the season with a huge matchup against Ohio State on November 26th, then potentially a Big Ten championship game. Blake Corum is going to have the chance to build. He's used the smaller games, used the lower profile games to build his stats, and now he's getting into the money games where he's going to where he can get some attention. Um, so if you're talking about running backs, that's a guy I would look at. I don't really think there's anybody else in the running back conversation that that can do it. He's leading the country in, in rushing touchdowns. Uh, he's he's top five in in yards. He's very high up in average among top running backs. I would have thought before Saturday Muhammad Ibrahim had a chance, but Minnesota loses, and I don't think Ibrahim had a had a particularly good game. Um, actually, he didn't play on Saturday. Uh, he had a, he had an ankle issue and, and didn't even play on Saturday, so that 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 hurts him in the that hurts him in my mind. That that's going to hurt him in in Heisman, but that's two years in a row. If you remember last year, he was running well in a game. I believe he was against Ohio State and got hurt, and the game was never the same again. Um, so that's kind of running backs. I really think the only one that right now looks like somebody who, who has a chance to win it is Blake Corum. And that's not many names so far. I don't really see any receivers, which obviously to me opens the door for defense. And when I think about defense, the name that comes to mind, of course, is... Will Anderson, Alabama linebacker. Last year, I didn't think Alabama had a good enough defense to warrant a defensive player from Alabama winning the Heisman. They just had too many bad weeks. And even after coming off a week where they gave up a good bit of points to Arkansas, and I think that defense gets a little lucky, I've talked about it, that uh, Quinn Ewers went out in the first quarter because he was carving them up. But all that to say, in, in total points per game and in yards per game, Alabama's a top-five defense this year. Now, that gets put to the test in a couple weeks when they play Tennessee. But for now, they're a top-five defense, which means Will Anderson and his five sacks and his pick six and his 27 tackles, which is not a league, a, a, a national leader, but it's 27 tackles through through four or five games. That's not bad. 
Um, and especially for, for a, a defense that kind of has so much talent and always has talent and they tackle well at every level, it's hard for a linebacker to rack up a ton of stats when your defensive line tackles well, when your uh, defensive backs tackle well. Linebackers at Alabama typically aren't having to range. They, not that they don't do it now. So if you're an Alabama fan, don't start sending me clips of your, your linebackers ranging out and making tackles on the edge because they do. But Alabama secondary usually tackles well. So you don't have that linebacker having to go pick up a wide receiver who, you know, wide receiver gets a screen, breaks past the defensive back, and gets tackled by a linebacker six yards downfield. Alabama guys don't have to do that as much uh, because their they're secondary tackles very well. Um, but Will Anderson, he's name recognition. A lot of guys think he should have gotten more attention for the Heisman last year. So he's a guy that I think is going to have some attention this year. And that Tennessee game is going to be a big chance for him to prove himself. If both teams take care of business on Saturday, Tennessee against, um, LSU and Alabama against Texas A&M, that's going to be a major game next weekend. And that Tennessee offense, we're going to hear an awful lot about how that Tennessee offense is going to give uh, Alabama problems. You're going to hear it on this podcast next week. And I'm not going to be the only one. So that's a chance for Will Anderson to prove himself. Go stop Hendon Hooker. If he can stop Hendon Hooker like nobody's been able to do really this year, he might go from a, a Heisman candidate to a Heisman favorite because – the, the, the guys that the hype machine wants to hype up aren't really having the kind of years thus far that warrant the hype. They're not, I mean, if you go look at the, if I didn't tell you who, if you came in not knowing who the top contenders for the Heisman should be, when you look at the passing numbers, you wouldn't see any of the names that, that are coming. You wouldn't see the guys listed there. You're not going to see Bryce Young. You don't see... Um, C.J. Stroud, you don't see Caleb Williams. You have to know who you're looking for. Uh, and and really, that's usually not the case for Heisman guys. I know it's not all stats, but normally the Heisman guys are up at the top in something or near the top in something, and that's just not the case right now. So that's a long-winded way of saying if in a couple of weeks the Alabama defense led by Will Anderson can stop Tennessee, Will Anderson can, can really go a long way towards making himself – the Heisman winner at linebacker, which is not something we're obviously used to seeing. Uh, there's not really anybody else that, that leaps out to me defensively as a candidate right now. There are a couple of guys that I think could, if things continue to go well for their teams, could be interesting. Uh, there was a... Where was he? Oh, there he is. I couldn't find him for a second. Clark Phillips, the second... For the third, excuse me, Utah cornerback, he's got four interceptions already, but he's not a part of anything else. He's got ten total tackles on the season. So he's all interceptions. He does have a pick six. Um, that's, it's just hard for a defensive player to win the Heisman as is. And a defensive player that's only involved in interceptions, right now he's tied for the, for the national lead in interceptions. He would have to be the solo leader in interceptions and have some big ones for some big plays. You know, I'm talking, he's got a, let's, let's look at Utah's schedule. I probably already talked about that, but let's, let's look at it again. Um, UCLA this Saturday, then USC. Uh, they do play Oregon later. So these next two weeks, 
uh, this week against UCLA and next week against USC. Those are two of the best quarterbacks definitely in the Pac-12 and two of the better quarterbacks in the country. If he can make big plays against them, he can start getting some attention. This is going to be really hard. Uh, it's it's going to be harder for a defensive back than anything because so many the, the the passing games are so complex now that it's not even hard for them to throw away from a good corner. It's just not. They, these good teams have too many weapons because um, they're not going to put Clark Phillips just lock him on an island with Jordan Addison and go at it. Uh, somebody's going to find a way to make that not happen. And even if they do, USC has other receivers and other options that you and I know if Clark Phillips is able, is if, if Clark Phillips' presence makes Jordan Addison be a two-catch for 28 yards and no touchdowns guy, that's massive. But will that register with Heisman voters? No. So... I really think it's going to come down to one of those offensive guys or Will Anderson. And and we also, as these big games roll along, those big primetime games, it'll start to matter less that, you know, well, Caleb Williams is, um, is uh, he's 10th in the country in passing yards and he's 8th in passing touchdowns. Yeah, but he just had 350 yards and three scores and he ran for another score and they beat UCLA to clinch a spot in the Pac-12 title game. That Those are the kind of games that, that are going to start mattering more than just sheer volume. Um, so I still think the odds are on one of those big three quarterbacks. The Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Caleb Williams. Also could see Blake Corum. Will Anderson is always going to be there. Those are probably my top five right now, but I, I probably listed like 15 names there because I just love talking about this kind of stuff. So, anyway, hope you have a good weekend. I'm actually going to go to a game, taking the whole family to the Mercer game on Saturday. They're playing Western Carolina. Mercer's number 12 in the FCS rankings. So, pretty excited about that. Hope you guys are are having some fun, having some family time, and we'll see you again next week. (laughs) 